ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. It is a Wednesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Uh, Blankers, Branham, Mocha Joe, all with you. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, happy Valentine's Day for those that celebrate. We might have a little bit of fun uh, with that later in the show. Uh, spring training kickoff. Uh, that's what uh, my wife gave me for Valentine's was that the Astros are starting spring training. Uh, but not great news. Uh, shoulderitis. Uh, I guess for, yeah. for day one of spring training, we find out that not one but two Astros are dealing with some some shoulder soreness. Say that five times fast. Some shoulder soreness. Uh, JV and JP uh, both with shoulder soreness. Now Verlander's like throwing on flat ground. France is like expected to throw on flat ground, uh, but both are a couple of weeks behind schedule. Not exactly the news blankers that you want to hear day one of spring training. Yeah, no, not at all, Jeremy. And I mean, you and I were, and Joe were kicking this around yesterday about the fact that, you know, we were, I guess, dissecting Dana's quotes and stuff. But when you look at it and you think about it, the last thing you're thinking about is, well, the reason why he might be mentioning this too is because there might be some things that have either set some guys back or be things to worry about. That's the last thing I was expecting out of Justin Verlander. You know, the JP France thing as well, but obviously Verlander's your ace. He's your horse. He's the guy that you're going to put out there, you know, as many times as you can, especially to start the season. And, yeah, you have time, and it doesn't seem like he's too concerned, but I think you tweeted this, too, and it's it's absolutely spot on, right? But anytime you're dealing with shoulders and pitching arms, I never feel completely confident that it's as cool as everybody says it is. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to downplay it right. Like, Dana Brown's like, oh, we're not concerned. Joe Espada, oh, we're not concerned. Justin Verlander, oh, I'm not concerned. J.P. France, oh, I'm not concerned. You know, you want to make a month. You don't want to make a week injury a month injury. Um I hear shoulder, I hear elbow, and my mind immediately goes to the worst. And this stuff doesn't usually like get better. Now, look, hopefully, hopefully they're right. Hopefully, it's something that they'll get, you know, ironed out in the next couple of weeks, and that this little throwing program they won't fill it anymore. I just, you know, sirens go off for me, red flags go up, uh, go up uh, anytime I hear a pitcher with elbow injuries, and anytime I hear a pitcher with shoulder injuries, even if it's only inflammation, even if it's only sore. It's like, uh, don't love this. Don't like what I'm hearing. Uh, here was Justin Verlander earlier today, West Palm Beach, talking about the shoulder soreness. Um, I mean, yeah, they, we, we haven't really sat down and discussed it yet, obviously. Um, I have my thoughts. I mean, interestingly, I'm, I'm a little bit behind schedule right now. I had a little hiccup early on that's resolved itself but I have to be really cautious with how I'm building up I guess my body doesn't respond the same at 40 as it does at 25 so um, you know I'm a couple weeks behind so I think all that thought 
going into those conversations will will play into that. So I mean, um, that all makes sense to me. When you say a couple of weeks behind, where does what? Can you tell us what the hiccup was and kind of? Uh, yeah, just when I first started playing catch, I usually shut it down for a while, and this time when I shut it down and picked the ball back up, my shoulder didn't feel so great. Um, so kind of had to take a step back and just kind of like really be diligent about my buildup. I've always been somebody who luckily could just pick up a ball and start throwing it, and this time wasn't quite as easy. So had to slow down a little bit and. Um, I've always liked to give myself as much rest as possible, so my timeline is always a little tight. Um, I think the rest is important, um, but so with the tight timeline, having to slow things down a little bit, put me a little bit behind. Any big concerns for opening day or anything like that? Um, I mean, I don't. Uh, it's too far, too far down the road to tell. It just depends on how the buildup goes from here. So lots there from from Verlander. And I love the fact that, hey, I threw a baseball. uh, I didn't for a while. I picked it up, started throwing, and there's soreness there. I I don't love hearing that, Blankers. No, I'm with you. I mean, who does, right? Especially when you're talking about a guy that you know is getting older, but you also know is so vitally important to the overall totality of the success of your rotation, especially because you've got other guys coming back from injuries, but because he's the guy that kind of – is the head of the snake in so many ways to drive the bus when you need a big win in a big game or someone to kind of lean on. And we know Fromber's been fragile sometimes. And and Justin is a guy that's going to be a bulldog for you. So there's no doubt about it. It's it's concerning. It's worrisome. And then it gets your mind immediately turned to, well, how do they either, A, look for an, another insurance policy or an insurance policy, or B, you know, are they just going to try and suck it up and just, you know, weather the storm hoping with fingers crossed that everything turns out for the best. It's going to be a real interesting scenario to see how it unfolds. There is uh, the opening day part of this this conversation to me. I do think that there could be some positives here. Now, the positives here, it has to mean that you're healthy. Like, you have to get Verlander back uh, at some point. I don't mind if he misses a couple of weeks to start the year. In fact, Verlander did that last year. Now, he had the lat. He had the lat, not shoulder, which concerns me more. Shoulder and elbow concerns me more than a lat. So, like, that, it's much different injury. But he missed the first couple of weeks. The, the thing that you can counterpoint me with is that he missed the first couple of weeks and then he wasn't himself for about four to five starts. So it's like, okay, I don't love that part of it. But I, I'm not as concerned about Verlander making 32 starts. If he makes 26 right. starts, whatever. The other part of this, though, that I, I think that you can find a silver lining, maybe a blessing in disguise – I think Fromber Valdez would really like to pitch opening day. I think Fromber Valdez, if you tell him, hey, you're getting the ball on opening day, even if it's because of an injury, you're going to be at the top of our rotation. Yeah, it might be just because Verlander is not available to pitch quite yet, but we're handing the ball to you. You're the top of our rotation. You're our dude. I think Fromber Valdez responds well to that. So I think that could be a silver lining in all of this, is that you make Fromber, uh, Fromber the alpha, and I think Fromber likes being the alpha. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, I brought that up last year. I thought even after the trade with Verlander, I thought that he seems like the guy that it really matters to him to still be considered the ace of the staff. I think you're right in that regard. And I think the other thing that we always talk about is it's not how you start the season, it's how you finish. And at this point with this team, with how talented it is, you expect that they're going to be in the mix for the playoffs at the end of the year when you truly need Justin Verlander to be at his best. So if he does miss a couple of weeks to start the regular season, so be it. it. You know, you can look at the fact that maybe then he got off to a slower start, but how did he finish the second half of the season? I want to say he won like uh, a double-digit games for the rest of the season, um, and, and he settled right into where you want him to be. 
We talked about this when we were talking about Michael Brantley. However, we didn't think it was going to take till mid-August. But we said, hey, it doesn't matter if he's ready for opening day or not. The main thing is when this team's ready to make its push and when they get past the All-Star break, that's when you got to have everybody kind of falling into place in that next couple of weeks. We'll see how long this takes or if he misses any time at all, but I'm with you. I'm not worried about whether he starts opening day or not. I'm worried about the fact that I don't need this thing to linger. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You get it right. Like, get it right. Even if it even if it forces you to miss three starts. Maybe he doesn't miss anything. Just get it right. Like, you have to be 100% sure you're getting it right and that he's ready to go. I think that it can be beneficial to Fromber. As far as the, the J.P. France, like, I would like to have J.P. France on opening day. And, like, again, like, this isn't this isn't like saying that he's going to be gone from opening day. You know, maybe just a couple weeks late, but he's ready for opening day. Maybe he starts, you know, a couple innings out of the bullpen, that sort of thing. J.P. France, I like him. He's an innings eater. Like he, he is not. His peak is not something somebody that's going to severely impact this club in a good or bad way. If everybody was healthy, and I'm not counting Luis and McCullers, I'm just talking about the six guys that reported to camp that are good to go. Uh, maybe not so good to go. But J.P. France is tied with Jose Arquiti for me as the fifth most mm-hmm. important starting pitcher on this team. So if France missed a couple of weeks, not the biggest deal in the world. You can also throw the Spencer Arigetti thing. Maybe Arigetti gets a spot start or two at the start of the season. So I'm not really sweating the J.P. France. Uh, I am sweating the, the Justin Verlander. And some of the hot take artists are out. Uh, 713 Seven eight zero three seven seven six sixty thirty should have never traded for old man Verlander, but Crane wanted his bestie back. Uh, lost Gilbert for a forty year old ace. You got to the ALCS like you you were right there. You were a game away, a home win away from going back to the World Series. I, I have I didn't mind the trade then. In fact, mm-hmm. I like the trade then. I like the financial financial aspect you got of the trade. And I'm not going to revision his history because Justin Verlander has a sore shoulder uh, on February 14, 2024, to to be the determining factor of that trade. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Like I, I love the I, I loved the tenacity and the ability to go out aggressively and go get him. I was even happier when I, I found out, you know, the finances and the fact that they weren't on the hook for all of it. I, I think that we've, we've had these discussions in the past, but when you look at it, it's like you don't know what these prospects are ever going to turn into. And you look about the, the first time that they acquired him and the guys that you gave up, Daz Cameron and everybody else, that everybody thought, ooh, these guys are going to turn into. No, they didn't. For the most part, they haven't. And guess what? He turned into a World Series for you and then, he, and then another one for you, and, and he has been a horse for you. So you can't worry about what prospects could turn into when, on the flip side, you realize he was a part of the reason why you were right there on the on the doorstep of another World Series appearance. And, and we also know that the, the caveat is that, is that Jim Crane loves this guy. So that was part of it where he was going to go out and get his buddy back, and his buddy turned out to be a, a great addition to this team. But, yeah, you can't go with revisionist history now and tell me that Clifford the Big Red Dog and, and, and Gilbert were, the, you know, were guys that you're going to sorely miss when you can't equate how much you're going to miss them as opposed to what he did for you last season to get where you right where you wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not cautioned into the wind. Like I I tend to be a little bit of a prospect hugger, uh, but you know certainly. Uh, but I like that trade, and I'm not going to let the injury preseason 2024 be some sort of determining factor on that trade. Triple zero two. What are the odds? Uh, Crane go grab Snell in the wake of this news. It's Wednesday after all. Uh, he did. He did. He did. Whenever the Kendall Graveman news came down, he did go sign Josh Hader. Now, 
we don't expect Verlander to be done for the year. You know, knock on wood, they're all downplaying this. The, you know, the, just a couple of weeks behind schedule. Um, I, if it was if it was like a season ender, I wouldn't put it past Crane mm-hmm. to go out there and sign a, a, a Schnell, uh, a Jordan Montgomery. But because they're playing it, like they're playing it, you know, they're, they're saying it's not a big deal. I don't really expect them to like go out and sign this you know big name free agent, this big rash decision, uh, like like happened with uh, whenever Kendall Grayman went down seven one three. 780-ESP-HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Very busy show for you today. Uh, we're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN97.5. You can hang out with the job list there, or you can hang out with the professionals. Search ESPN Houston uh, on YouTube. Uh, he's a Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He's a Joe George Radio on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Busy show. Uh, why the face Wednesday? Why is Joe making faces today? We do have a will of bits today. You never know what you're going to get, but what are you getting today? What's the scrutiny of Jose Espada? Which rotation is better, the Astros' healthy rotation or the injured rotation? But when we return, when we return, does this change your perception, this news of the conversation we had yesterday about adding a starting pitcher? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograft procedure. If you don't know what the Neograft is, but you do know you've been losing your hair, you've been suffering pattern baldness and thinning, and you don't think there's anything you can do about it, you need to check out the Neograft procedure because you can get all the information for free as a listener to ESPN 97.5. Costs you nothing. Normally, it costs people 150 bucks just to meet with Doc and his staff. You get it for free because you listen to us just by going to 975hair.com. Go in and get all the your questions answered. Check it out and see if it's right for you. It literally costs you nothing, but it could be a true game changer for you for the rest of your life. Because honestly, the bullet points that you need to know, the hair around the sides in the back of your head is never going anywhere, no matter how bald you go on top. And you can take some of that, like Doc Linville does, put it where you need it most. Maybe it's in the front on your hairline or up top and back, and make a huge difference in the amount of hair you have on your head. With that, it ups your self-confidence, and you love the way you look again. It's absolutely fantastic. And and the other thing that got me, 95 to 99% of those follicles that he's going to move are going to stay and be with you for the long haul. That is a true game changer. Check him out today because it's nothing out of pocket, no signing on the dotted line, just answers to your questions and the possibility for you to get your hair back. Check him out and tell him I sent you by because I'm the biggest fan in the world of docking this procedure. Go to 975hair.com. teams covered no stalking points necessary you're back with the killer bees on 97.5 and 92.5 live from the veritex community bank studios he's blank i'm branham we are the bees on espn 97.5 espn 92.5 713-780-espn hrmp listener line 713-780-3776-8244 they need to keep verlander through his 300th win and 4,000th strikeout uh, huge marketing opportunities for the strohs and should submit him as an astros in the hall of fame I don't know how you feel about this, Blinkers. I couldn't care less. Like, if, if he's going to cost $50 million, and this is not, I mean, not feasible, although he is making $43 million a year this year, mm-hmm. I'm not paying a guy $50 million, not overpaying a guy uh, to chase his 300th win and 4,000 strikeout. Uh, Altuve is the one exception that I'm willing to make on that, but you could also make the case Jose Altuve gave you a friendly deal, a, a hometown discount. A couple of them, Jeremy, if you think about it. And Verlander wasn't taking anything less than Scherzer was making the last time he hit free agency and really had no emotional heartstrings attached to the city of Houston 
or the the Astros organization. He was buddies with Crane, but he was going to get his bag, and he got it, and he got it elsewhere. And the fact is, he's going into the Hall of Fame wearing another hat, I think, as a Tiger when he goes in. So it's not the same kind of emotional attachment as it is with a guy that spent his entire career, and like you said, has been more than loving and giving to the organization that has been loving and giving to him. And it's a totally different ballgame. It's a different story. If you want to talk about the fact that he's still an effective pitcher and you want to talk about making sure that he stays in an Astros uniform for a couple more a year or two after you know this existing contract because he's still pitching well mm-hmm. and he gives you a decent deal, fine. I'll have that conversation with you. If you want to talk to me about the fact, and you know I, more than you, a lot of times am attached to the individual accomplishments as well. In this case... I could care less. If he gets it in another uniform, but if that's from the team that decided that from a marketing or otherwise perspective they were going to overpay him, so be it. If he's still an effective pitcher and he wants to work a deal with you, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it came. It comes down to the the salary. Like, I'm not just I'm not overpaying a guy to do it. And I, and I love Verlander. I think I think Justin Verlander is the greatest Houston Astros starting pitcher of all time. Uh, that's a take that's controversial to, to many. Uh, many would argue me that tooth and nail, but I believe that. But I'm also not overpaying for it. He's 43 wins shy of 300. That's going to be difficult for him to do, like, over the next two years. Uh, very difficult. He would mm-hmm. have to do some unprecedented things. And then for 4,000 strikeouts, he's currently at 3,342. Like, he's got a long yeah, way to go. Like, that's – he had 144 strikeouts last year in 27 starts. Like, he's not getting healthier. Even if we go 150 strikeouts a year, that's – for 600, he needs four years. I was just like, going to say, on lot. both of them, I think you're bordering on four years more of his career to make sure that he gets both. And at that point, I yeah. don't know that he's going to be an effective pitcher at all, let alone nearly as effective as he is now, which isn't as effective as he has been. Yeah, and I'm okay keeping him around, but he has to be realistic with his salary. I'm not paying him $25 million a year to have a four ERA. Uh, I would pay him $5 million a year to have a four ERA. He could be my fifth man in the rotation. So it kind of it depends on the rate. Now, the, the contract thing that does come into play with Verlander, and again, who knows if he even misses any starts, but he has that vested option for next season. Mm-hmm. He has to pitch 140 innings uh, for that contract to vest, and it becomes $35 million for, for Verlander. Uh, the Mets do have to pay some of that to the Astros, so the Astros aren't on the hook for the entire $35 million. But from a Verlander point of view, I think he wants 140 innings so he can get that $35 million next year. Uh, some people say, well, you know, he's, he's definitely going to get that. Well, he's got shoulder ailments right now, and he threw 162 innings last year. Yeah, the Astros might go six-man rotation for a good chunk of the year. See, and that's where it just kind of, even when you listen to the quote today, he's always going to be very clear that he's on his own schedule. Like, he's going to listen to what the team has to say and the doctors has to say and everything else has to say, but we're always aware of the fact that Justin's on Justin's schedule, and Justin knows Justin best. He lets you know about that, and just like when they wanted to go to six-man and then stick with it for the long term the last time he was here, that he had issue with it, and he had issue with it for both for a lot of individual reasons as opposed to whatever it could do or not do for the team. So, yeah, I, I fully believe that he has a different agenda in a lot of ways than the team does. This texter asks you, would you rather have back Garrett Cole or Carlos Correa? Uh, I'd rather have Cole back. Now, that salary, though, Ooh. who knows? That could go, that could go downhill quickly. Uh, so it's, ver- it's, a, it's, a more, it's more of a, of a risk for Garrett Cole, but Garrett Cole is a far better player than Carlos Correa. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, and obviously one guy plays every day, but the other guy every fifth day is pretty much lights out. 
and the money is ridiculous. But we also are, are, are dealing with what we know of to be a very healthy Garrett Cole and Carlos Correa, whether you go back, ankle, whatever was the red flags being thrown by multiple teams when he was a free agent. I'm just not sure how healthy he's going to be for the longevity of that, that contract. And I know that Garrett Cole hasn't slipped up very much since he left Houston. Yeah, you could argue he's the best pitcher in baseball. His his contract's actually not, like, I mean, it's still big, but he makes $36 million for each of the next five seasons. He can also opt out after this year, which if he has a big year, he might opt out and cash in again. Uh, so I would, yeah, Garrett Cole's the easy answer there. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Yesterday we were talking about, you know, I pulled up that quote from Dana Brown from last week where he was talking to McTaggart, and I think it got swept under the rug a bit, where he's like, I'm always in the market for starting pitching. Well, Dana Brown was asked in, uh, in West Palm Beach, he spoke to the media, we'll play a few Dana Brown cuts uh, throughout the broadcast today, throughout the show today uh he was asked again if he needs to add starter depth with the news of jv and jp i was in the business of trying to add starter depth i think you know the season like i said before it's 162 games if you if you get a situation where you can trade for a starter um, or if you could sign a starter i think you should do it if it, if it makes sense budget wise and all that uh, but at the end of the day i'm always in the market for pitching i've said that since day one, I don't think you can have enough pitching in 162 games. So there you go, Blankers. He doubles down. He doubled down on uh, adding starting pitching. And I think maybe more clarity, too, that would be outside of the organization because he mm-hmm. said either sign or trade. Yeah, and this is, you know, that kind of clears up some of the stuff you and I talked about yesterday. And it, and at looking at this, I still don't think it's going to be Blake Snell. But I right. think that, you know, he's going to look at, and this is the right time to start looking for bargains because I think this is when the coupons come out and the sales, you know, rear their heads because guys that thought they were already going to have a long-term deal in place and a new home and, and all the comfort of the financial security don't have it. And now it's going to be, well, what do I do next? Am I looking for, and it's a situation much like we saw when Keichel got into that deal where he wanted, you know, the big contract for the, the you know, the long, long-term never got it. And then he and Boris had to kind of reevaluate and take a one-year deal. I think was with with the White Sox or the Braves. This is the kind of thing where pitchers are out there that aren't Blake Snell that are going to be looking for work and the possibility of making sure that, one, they secure some money for this year, and two, that they have an opportunity to continue to prove they have long-term value. And that's where the Astros might be able to catch a bargain, not have to overpay too much, and get another guy for their rotation, whether you call it an insurance policy or a guy that might have plenty of game left in him that could actually bolster the, 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 the top five in your rotation. I think you nailed it with uh, with that that second part of it, where it's not going to be the top of the market. Like Blake Snell is still going to get the Blake Snell money. Mm-hmm. He, he's not going to take a discount deal. Uh, I think Jordan Montgomery is still going to get paid, but maybe like a Michael Lorenzen uh, could be somebody mm-hmm. that you could get. That's also he's he's comfortable pitching in the bullpen. He's comfortable pitching in the rotation. Not somebody who's going to light the world on fire. He's not going to be a top half of the rotation starter, but. But he can provide innings. He gives you some insurance there. Uh, Jake Overeasy is back. He's nope, back. Pass. He's, he's healthy. You know um, me. Nope. <laughs> a name that's been thrown around a lot, not necessarily like on the air here, and not not a name that's been even mentioned with the Astros. It's been more the Twitchers because they're toxic. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Like Trevor Bauer went on that podcast as he would pitch for the base salary with incentives and all of these things. Would you even entertain the idea? That would be tough. It would be tough. Um, I think the locker room environment would be tough. Um, I, the, 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 obviously, it's enticing to think about the the money, but he's so volatile. And even before, whether you believe that he got set up and there's no truth to it or there's some truth to it and whatever happened happened and, and called him out for something that's been long-term with him, 
it's a it's a pretty toxic situation just from the overall the way it looks from the outside. You've already been through this with Osuna. You've 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 had to endure a ton of negativity over the last several years as well. I just don't think as they try and continue to turn their corner for, from a more positive standpoint that they need to sign up for all of that. Yeah, it's a it's a, an intriguing option from the ability to pitch the way he has pitched in his career, but I I just I wouldn't do it. See, I think somebody should give him a chance. It wouldn't be me. That's like, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm cool with Trevor Bauer getting a second chance. I think people deserve second chances. It doesn't have to me, be me that's giving the second chance. And Trevor Bauer's really good. Like, Trevor Bauer's mm-hmm. had some amazing – he's won a Cy Young. Uh, whenever he got, you know, expelled from baseball, he had a 259 ERA. Like, the, the guy can pitch. The guy is good. Uh, he's super talented. If I'm, a, if I'm a team that doesn't have, like, a whole lot of market presence or I'm a team that it thinks I'm on the border of being a playoff team, like, if I'm Baltimore, I'm thinking about doing this, uh, depending on, like, where ownership is at and things like that. I think he's toxic, though, even though he's really good. I think he's toxic in a clubhouse. I think one of the strengths of this Astros team is the culture and having a strong clubhouse. I'm worried about him screwing yep. it up. I'm worried about him uh, coming into the Astros clubhouse. He's so toxic that he just derails uh, everything that you've built all in one season. So the fear I have of that, and I don't need Trevor Bauer. I feel like you you have a World Series ca- like caliber team mm-hmm. without Trevor Bauer. I'm not desperate for Trevor Bauer. Uh, so that's a hard no for me. Yeah, and I think the other thing, Jeremy, as you think about it, there's there's a team that comes to mind just simply because of how cheap they are, but the fact that they've been you know on the cusp of being a contending playoff team, and they've lost pitchers. And you mentioned one of the pitchers uh, that that went to Baltimore. You mentioned Baltimore, who got one of their pitchers. I think Milwaukee would look for the cheap deal and look to try and sustain a starting pitcher for a year and take their yeah. chances and then walk away. Um, I think that th- there there still would be the worry and the concern about the backlash both internally in the clubhouse and externally. From an Astros perspective, you got Bregman on the last year of his deal, and, and you know he's not going to hold back. Uh, I think that Verlander's a guy that's very set in the ways of the clubhouse, and I think that he's not going to tolerate any BS. And I think that as much as those guys could be kind of extra policemen in the locker room, they don't want to deal with that crap. And I don't think anybody does with the fact that, like you said, this team's already good enough. They don't need to try to – they're not desperate enough to take on a Trevor Bauer. No, I'm out on that. Three three one one Bauer to the A's. They can't lose fans. That's a really good point. It's true. Uh, <laughs> you can't lose fans and you have none. Yeah, if you don't have fans, you can't lose fans. I, I would not bring in Bauer. Like, and you know what? You can even take away the lawsuit stuff if you really feel like it. This is a child who threw a baseball over the center field wall. This is a moron who cut his finger operating a drone and missed the World Series. He's a loser who got beat up last year overseas. He's wasn't not he, really that good and anymore. And wasn't he stalking some uh, high school girl on Twitter because like, they got into it? I just, yeah, I don't I don't have time to even have any energy for Trevor Bauer as a Houston Astro. Like, I, it's just, it's an organization that has taken so much grief for decisions that they have made, that employees of theirs have made. Like, you got to stop bringing in the toxic people. It's just, it's time. As I said, I think they've turned the corner now, at least started the turn, that they don't need to look back and go, hey, let's, let's, let's take another flyer on something like this. I, I, I'm with you on that. 8244, give me Bauer all day, three exclamation marks, win, exclamation mark, win, 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 exclamation mark, bad word, everything else, exclamation mark, win, 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 exclamation mark. When is Trevor Bauer won? 
like on the biggest level. Like when is Trevor Bauer has he lifted a World Series? No. Has Trevor Bauer lifted the Commissioner's Trophy? Joe just mentioned how he he injured himself on the cusp of the World Series, mm-hmm. and even the Dodgers like were like, we don't want this guy in the clubhouse, even though he was pitching really really well. Uh, every every place he's been has kind of been a loser franchise, even though that he's been pretty good. So. What makes you think he's going to win? Like, he's going to come in here. He's going to care about himself. He's probably going to pitch all right. Like, I'll grant you that. I'll concede that. He's probably going to pitch all right. But he's also going to ruin them around the clubhouse. He's going to tear down the culture of the Houston Astros, and they're built on culture. What makes you think that that's going to be a win? Just because he pitches good every fifth or sixth day, and maybe he wins a good, like a decent amount of his games, but he tears down everything else, that doesn't translate in wins. No, that doesn't it, translate in victories. And think about it. Even Forget the professional career. Let's go back to UCLA. He and Garrett Cole hate at each other he wasn't the greatest teammate there as well and, and then to your your point that you just made jeremy the fact of the matter is why did hater come here because he wanted to be a part of this culture the way it is now the easiest way to screw all that up is to make sure that you bring in a guy who does not fit the culture and i just don't think he fits the culture yeah i'm protecting the locker room whenever i'm talking about the houston astros i'm protecting the clubhouse because you can make a point the clubhouse why you're a winner uh 713-780 esp an hrp listener line 713-780-3776 uh jv and jp's bummed shoulders weren't the only news that came out of west palm beach today on the opening of spring training not only did joe espada announce hater was his closer but it also cemented that this is Ryan Presley's last year in Houston. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These Killer Bees make great sports insights. But they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. When both pitchers are available, Hader will pitch the ninth inning. There you go. Joe Espada announced his closure. Somebody give Spencer some uh, some water, too, by the way. Sounded like he was thirsty. Uh, so Joe Espada announcing it West, in West Palm Beach that uh, Josh Hader is going to be his closer, which this is the right call. Josh Hader's a better pitcher. Like uh, Josh Hader's just better than Ryan Presley. He, Quite frankly, he always has been. He's younger. Uh, he had a better year last year. Love Ryan Presley. Love everything that Presley's done. Josh Hader. Josh Hader's better. He's a better pitcher than than uh, than Ryan Presley. So I have no problem uh, with Hader getting the nod for the ninth inning, as opposed to Ryan Presley, who will be pitching the eighth. He'll be the setup guy. Uh, Hader talked about how important it is to have a role during the regular season, which I agree. I, I do think it's important to have a role over one sixty two. Now, once you get to the playoffs, it's all caution to the wind. You do what you got to do uh, to pick up a victory. Do you have Do you have any objection? whatsoever with Hader being the closer? I don't. I, I think that you know when you look at the numbers, they speak for themselves. He's been as dominant as any pitcher in baseball over the last several years, and the fact that you locked him up for five years, it also tells you he's going to be here for the long haul, and the organization uh, truly has put a ton of trust in him. Um, from the Presley perspective, it was crazy. I caught it, but I didn't think too much of it about a week ago, I think it was, or maybe a little less than a week ago, where Ryan Presley's mom, who's very active on Twitter was going back and forth with some fans, and she was like, it's a shame he's not going to be the closer anymore or something like that. And I was like, huh. But I never really, you know, I I thought, well, we'll see what happens with that. And now here we are today. I I think this was a foregone conclusion, and we know that he's pitched the eighth inning before. It's probably a little bit of a bummer for him because once you get to that position, it's always tough to give it up. But this is, I believe, the final year of his deal. And and the fact of the matter is you've got Hater locked up for the long term, and, and the dude's been dominant. 
So this third year, I thought was a, uh, I thought it was a mutual option. Spotrac listed as a mutual option for fourteen million dollars. It looks like it might be a vesting option. Uh, so if 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 Ryan Presley does not have a say on that two thousand twenty five contract, then you know he's probably here with the Houston Astros at fourteen million dollars for a setup. If he does have the mutual option, I think that it would he would be gone. Uh, I think that he would probably look for a bigger, which I think he's probably could get more than fourteen million dollars mm-hmm. if he has a good season. Uh, I think he would be looking for multiple years. I think he would be looking for another closer's role. So a little bit of uh, I'm not exactly sure what the two thousand twenty five contract is. Botrack says that it's a mutual option. Uh, it says that a vesting option includes a two million buyout option vest with fifty appearances in each of twenty three and twenty four, which you would expect him to have. That he had sixty five appearances in twenty three, but he had fifty. 50 in 22, so it's not a guarantee. So there's a little bit of uh, vagueness on what exactly that 2025 contract is. Uh, it I, says 14 million vesting for 25 if he appears in 50 games in both 23 and 24. I wonder if there's a mutual element on that, though. Yeah, it, it, I am curious as well because when you look at it, the first thing that to, to your point, the first thing I think about it, if I'm Ryan Presley, is Look, I'm going to do everything for the team this year. It's a great situation to be in. Yeah, it's a little tough, but I know that I, I'm going to control my future. And my future is going to be, if I want to be a closer next year, I'll have a, I'm sure I'm going to have opportunities to do so. I think there's going to be teams with plenty of money that are going to give me the, the length of the contract I'm looking for. I think from a team perspective, they're going to be looking at this and they're going to be saying to themselves, hey, we can probably get him a little cheaper than one of the most dominant closers if they would have hit free agency. And there's plenty of teams that think they're contenders or close to it that need help in the back of the bullpen that could say, hey, for a little less than what I'd be having to kick in and pay for a big time in the peak of their career closer, I can get a guy that's pretty damn good at probably a good price, and all i got to do is give him a couple years. Yeah, some of the texters are saying that it's a vesting and not a mutual, so Spotrac's information is wrong. So, okay, so if it's a 50, if he appears in 50 games, it becomes uh, he's under contract for next season. I don't know if it's a guarantee that he pitches in the 50 games. Uh, 65 last year, 50 in 2022. Hopefully he does, because if he does, it means he probably stays healthy. Well, we also healthy, know that he he's... 50 pretty easy, I think. As he, well, but we also know that as he's gotten older, the back-to-backs, the, 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 you know, the, the three and four nights kind of situations are not his forte anymore, and they've, they've really tried to protect him from pitching in, in back-to-back games, so I, I think there's a good chance that number goes down whether he gets to the vested or not. Yeah, so we'll uh, see if he gets to the 50, uh, 50 games, and then if he gets to the 50 games, he's under contract. So uh, a little misinformation there. Thank you to Spotrack for saying it's a mutual, uh, not a mutual, because I was thinking that if it was a mutual, then Presley's as good as gone. Like, Presley's not going to stick around for $16 million when he might be able to get more on a one-year deal when he probably wants to close somewhere. Um, now, some of the textures here are saying be careful with him moving back to the uh, setup role that, uh, you know, you have certain guy, certain guys who are closers in the past, that they become setup guys and they blow up. I- I'm not worried about that. You look at Ryan Presley's career, he was a setup guy for a long mm-hmm. time. Now, he has more saves than he does holds, 108 saves, 79 holds. But he had multiple years where he had over 20 holds in a season. He had multiple years where he was the setup guy. I really don't have any uh, any concern about Presley pitching the eighth inning and not the ninth inning. Yeah, this isn't Ken Giles. This isn't a, a, a guy that every time he wasn't in a save situation, he, you know, all you needed was to to light a match and look out because he could blow up. I, I I really believe that Ryan Presley and we both have alluded to it. His time in Minnesota, he he was a setup guy and he was very very good at it. And he's a professional. And I don't think he has the kind of over-the-top personality like a Giles and some of the closers that they say when it's not a safe situation, they just can't get into that same mindset. 
I think he's going to be just fine. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, if if Hayter's pitching his tail off and you know that Abreu behind him is also dominant, that you have him for now if that vesting interest comes up and there's a chance that, you know, he's going to lock that in too. I think those are going to be teams that are going to be calling the Astros to check on his availability. All he's got to do is just keep pitching the way he's been pitching. There's a lot of mo- See, I don't think you trade Presley, though. Right. I'm not saying you have to trade him, but I think there'll be plenty of teams with the intention of looking at possibly landing a closer in the middle of the season that if he pitches well, they're going to be knocking on the door of the Astros going, hey, you know, you don't really need him. What would it take to get him? I don't think the Astros, if the Astros are doing well, I, I, they're not entertaining the idea of trading Presley. Not, yeah, and that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you're going to get teams that truly don't have a closer that are going to probably still be picking up the phone and, and, and trying to gauge the interest yeah, and the if there's a way to pry him no. away. Yeah, like to be like Daryl Morey calling the Lakers asking if LeBron James is available. You know, so it's, it's something like that. Right. Like right. it's not – the Astros would be like, yeah, we're going to hang up the phone. We're not having – Yeah, you're not shopping him and putting out an email that says, hey, I'll take your I'm, – I'm listening to offers on Ryan Presley. Yeah, uh, this guy. Uh, if you if you were in control of the Astros and you had to choose a new pitching rotation out of all the players, who would you choose to be your starting rotation? Out of all the players, hurt and healthy. Uh, he didn't specify, so I guess you can answer however you want to answer it. I mean, if everybody is available, I'm going to go with Verlander as my one, Fromber as my two, Javier as my three, McCullers as my four, and. Garcia, mm. Garcia, or it's to me, it's between Garcia and um, Urquidy for number five. So I I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say Garcia. Yeah, if I if everybody was healthy that you currently are paying money to, my my top two are Framber, uh, Framber and JV. Mm-hmm. I really don't care what order. Uh, they're 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 my one and two. Javier is your three to me. Like he, you need him to pitch well, uh, especially be first half Javier, be pre last year Javier. Uh, he'd be my number three. Hunter Brown has. Well, I forgot you still have Lance. Lance would actually be my number three. When Lance is healthy, Lance is really really good. He's just never healthy. So if I had Lance available, he'd be my third starter. Javier would be four. Luis would be five. But I love Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown's just not as good as Luis Garcia is yet. I think Hunter Brown has more upside than than Luis Garcia, but he just hasn't produced as good as Luis Garcia. I like the fact that Hunter Brown's been in the pen before, too. And, and with the, the stuff that he has, as dominant and overpowering as he can be in a short dose, he can help you out of the pen. Yeah, I would go six-man, though. So Hunter Brown would be my six. Okay. So I'd go Fromber, JV, top two. Lance, three, Javier, four, Luis, five, and then Hunter Brown be my six. So, Arkady coming out of the pen for you? Yeah, he's probably my long guy out okay. of the bullpen. Yeah, he doesn't he, he doesn't need to be in that rotation. He just doesn't have the stuff that those other six do. Uh, can I ask you guys, can we, can, we, can we go with what reality is then? So, you start the season, Verlander, J.P. France, let's say they're not available. So, Fromber's your one. So, Fromber's your one. Hunter, Hop, Javier's so you your two. Javier's your you two. don't have J.V. or J.P.? Yeah, let's assume they're both. Available early in the season, but not that first couple weeks. So from, first you week. don't have Luis and you don't have Lance. Yeah. Fromber, Javier, and Hunter Brown are your top three. Your Keaty's your four. Yeah. And then Aragetti? I think it's Aragetti or, like I saw Chandler tweeting about this with people today, would they try to restretch out Blanco? Yeah. They could. Yeah. For sure. It depends on how long they're out. Like, I could see if, if Blanco's only going to make a start or two, like, why start the clock on Spencer Aragetti? Yep. Uh, so it depends on the, the length of what you expect JV and JP to be gone. Uh, so I have the same top four, Fromber, Javier, Brown, Urquidy. And then depending on the length of those two injuries, 
it would be Blanco or Arigetti. If it's yep. short term, it's Blanco. If it's long term, then, then it's Arigetti. Nope, I would agree with that. Yeah, and that's, that's where I definitely think if it's long term, it has to be someone else. I don't. I don't think it should be Arigetti or Blanco. I mean, in this scenario where like they're not adding anyone, it's Arigetti. But last year, you know, people were critical of the Astros for not adding someone, adding a starter pitcher when the season started. But we thought going into the year they had six or seven guys, and the injuries started to pile up. This year, it's so very clear that you have four pitchers who could be in your rotation, could be out of your rotation for part of the season, most of the season, somewhere in between. You have to add at least some arm that is a viable MLB arm to this team. See, that's why I think this is the Nick Casario situation with Kenyon Green, only I think they're going to be hyper-proactive. They already knew that they were going to be dealing with needing an insurance policy or more and I think that Dana's already, the wheels are already turning about not just how to get, and I think that ideally they'd still like a six-man rotation, but I think the wheels are already turning of like, how do I make sure this isn't a massive setback for us, one guy, two guys, and plus the other guys coming back, that I can get a steady arm. So uh, the, the contract for Presley, Wilson helped me out on this and if, on Twitter and a few of the textures too, that, that, that mutual option thing threw me for a loop on Spotrack. I didn't realize that the vesting option is $14 million for 25. He has to appear in 50 games in both 23 and 24. He appeared in 65 last year. So if he appears in 50 games this year, then he that, that becomes a, that's totally under contract. Okay. There's no options there. So for, it, it vests at 50 games. It's $14 million. So maybe Presley is back next year uh, but if he gets that 50 games he will be if he doesn't the understanding is that now it's a mutual option that if he pitches in 48 games now the Astros and Ryan Presley have to agree to pick up that deal I don't think either side would if Presley pitches in 48 games this year and that contract doesn't vest and now it's a mutual option which it would be the uh I don't think the Astros are paying 14 million dollars for Ryan Presley at the age of 36 whenever they have big money on 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 Hader they'll have another year of big money on Montero they'll also still have Abreu now he'll be cheap but they'll still have Abreu mm-hmm. so the Astros wouldn't pick up that option if he's less than 50 and I don't think Ryan Presley would be back if it's less than 50 and it's under 14 it's at 14 million dollars and I think he'd want to close so I, I think he'd want to close 50 I think games he'd... is huge because I, I don't think either side would pick up the mutual option I think he'd also hit the open market and make more money. I think he can make more than 14 on the open market by a team that wants him to close. Yeah, I, I do too. So if he doesn't hit that 50 games, Ryan Presley will be pitching his final year with the Houston Astros uh, this year. Do you think he's going to do the whole Johnny Cash lights out intro in the eighth inning, by the way? I don't think so. Do you, can you do that? Is it Bush League to have two intros? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that just because you used to be a closer and they used to do those kind of things, I don't think you do it for your setup guy. Yeah, that, but to now, take it back, like yeah. once you gave it to him, like that's I mean, a terrible look. I, I'm not you know taking what? it back. Here's what I would say. You can leave it up to him. I don't think he's going to want you to do that in the eighth inning. I don't but, know. I mean, you control your own game presentation. I'm sure if you if he wanted it, you wanted it, or you don't want to change it, you could still do it. The song will be there. I think the question is if the, the lights. lights will be there. Yeah. The fans love it. I I would be bummed if it was gone. Everybody gets their intro music going back to the whole um, uh, Enter Sandman with Billy Wags and other people, and and I think Rivera used it too. Regardless, you can use the music, yeah, but the lights are something that I, I don't know that they're going to continue to do. Yeah, I'm very, very curious. That's the thing that I'm most interested by with this news today. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. I'm going to announce my retirement. 
from something Astros related. Uh, what it is next? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. He's blank. I'm Branham. We are the Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. We've also made listening and watching your favorite sports radio station even easier. Officially streaming on the ESPN Houston YouTube channel every single day. Now you can easily listen and watch anywhere and everywhere. If you listen every day and like us, uh, clicking our YouTube subscribe button makes a big difference. Please click that subscription. It matters. Let us know you're listening. Uh, Smash that like button. Subscribe if you've not already uh, done so. So I'm retiring from something Astros-related. First, here, here was Astros radio guy. This surprised me. This really surprised me. Astros radio guy Robert Ford uh, went on the radio. I think he, was, he did this yesterday. And he had some takes about this Alex Bregman staying going. Here was uh, Robert Ford, Astro play-by-play guy on MLB Network Radio. I think it's less likely. I mean, if I, and I'm, and I'm not, but if I were a betting man, I'd bet honestly, that Bregman's probably playing somewhere else next year. I don't know that I see the the match in the same way that I see with Altuve in terms of how both sides kind of kind of value the situation. I think Bregman, honestly, and it's not, I don't think it's a, it's a question of Bregman doesn't want to play in Houston. I think he'd love to play in Houston his entire career, but I think it's going to be tougher to match, you know, the, the value that Bregman sees with the value that the Astros see. Okay, I can't believe that the play-by-play guy of the Houston Astros is going to be some backlash on that one. I think. Yeah, I couldn't believe he had those takes. I mean, from personal experience, there's going to be a call from the organization at some point to be like, "Okay, let's not start stuff. Let's you can talk about stuff when it happens, but let's not be the one kind of instigating that those kind of discussions." Because I don't think that that any organization thinks that's a good look. No. Yeah, I was surprised. I was very surprised to hear that. Uh, I'm, I am watching the Matt Chapman free agency deal. Chapman had a 4.4 war last year. Bregman was 4.9. So Bregman, Bregman better. And, like, I think Bregman, if he has a productive season that's in that 4.5, 4.9 war range, will probably get a little bit more than Chapman. But I think the Chapman contract and the Bregman contract are going to be pretty stinking similar around the same age of free agency, too. So that's like the final thing that I'm watching when it comes to the the Alex Bregman contract. But the thing that I'm retiring from, I'm not talking Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker contract extension anymore. And I feel like we should stop, not we, we're not media, uh, the media types, they should stop asking like Dana Brown and all this about the Alex Bregman stuff and the Kyle Tucker stuff. Dana Brown's already given you his answer on Kyle Tucker. They're going to try. They're going to extend an offer, give him the old college effort same thing with Alex Bregman you're not getting anything new I am retiring I am hanging up the microphone when it comes to talking about extension for Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker that's fine with me I mean look I think the writing's been on the wall for quite a while and we've been trying to temper expectations and let people know that both guys are probably not going to be here after their contracts expire but in the case of Bregman I mean Robert Ford kind of kind of tried the softest approach to letting people know what we already discussed which is if you think you're getting Machado money if you think you're getting 300 million dollars if that's where you think your value is I think the Astros see that significantly different and they're not going to react to the fact that you and your agent who is a super agent at getting mega millions and long-term deals is going to try and seek out elsewhere because 
That's not how the Astros do business. That's It seems like no matter how realistic or unrealistic it is, that's exactly what he's chasing. And I don't think that it's a match. And so, unfortunately, for some Astros fans that think with their hearts, first and foremost, and don't want to see him play in another uniform, I think this is the swan song. We've been through this this whole you know routine before with Correa, and so you're kind of prepared for it, but this is it. Yeah, what's interesting about Chapman, he's also represented by Scott Boris. So, like, I think the Chapman free agency is going to go very, very similar to the Bregman free agency, and I think that they're going to get pretty comparable dollar. Like, Bregman might get 10% more. Like, that's how that's how close uh, I think Chapman will be with what Alex Bregman gets. But I'm, I'm done talking about it. Like, there's nothing new. Now, Until there's an extension or one of them leaves in free agency, what's the point? It's going to be recycled answer after recycled answer after recycled answer. Now, what do you guys think in terms of the fact that with the clock ticking and spring training starting that there are guys that are going to have to kind of re redirect their and reshift the way they're thinking about this because of the fact that they haven't signed and gotten the kind of deal and the kind of money that they were expecting because uh, I'm curious if Chapman... I don't think spring training is the deadline. No, I'm not saying the the start of it, but I'm saying we're getting closer and closer to where guys that we're looking for you know, that long-term big money deal right. are going to start reevaluating. I think they reevaluate on opening day. I don't think they reevaluate before that. Like, people people act like the deadline spring training. It's not. The, the deadline's opening day. Yeah, I, I, and then the other thing to me is I, I was reading an article this morning that um, – or someone, a couple comments – that the Giants are looking at multiple Boris clients, and I would think that would be Snell and Chapman. Uh, when when they were still trying to bolster, uh, that's an organization that's wanted to spend some money and try to make more of a splash. That maybe San Francisco is still going to be in the market for Chapman and or Snell. That makes sense. That that would be a place that makes sense for Chapman for me. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, like right now they're penciled in third baseman's Wilmer Flores, and like Wilmer Flores' game's all right. He hits lefties really well. Uh, Chapman's an upgrade. Like sure. Chapman's an up, like, especially defensively, and they signed Solaire, and they yep. you know they they brought in Jung Hoo Lee. Um, who you know they think can be a pretty good contact guy, get on base guy. I'm curious to see what he does because he played in Korea. Usually, like the Korean league doesn't have the same sort of success as the Nippon league uh, has in, in Major League Baseball. So I'm really curious to see how his season goes. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line from a Texans perspective. What makes a successful or disappointing offseason? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.